The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everyone and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, our Red Dwarf Review podcast hosted by myself, Adam Martin, and as ever, my co-host, Philip Hawkins. Hello. Uh, Hello. We're back once again. We're on Series 5, Episode 5, Demons and Angels, the penultimate episode of Series 5. We're getting there. We're getting to Series 6. It always feels like, I think we've said this before, every time we record, I feel like we're racing through this and everyone's like, oh, the golden age will end soon. You know, whatever that means. I've got no idea what you're all talking about. Um, As always, if you're brand new, hello. Uh, The concept of the show, I'm a brand new Red Dwarf fan. I've never seen the show before. This is my first time and Phil's been what? Well, this isn't your first time, is it, Phil? This is your um, insert number here. Yeah, I don't know the number. Right? Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) well there's your indication yeah two different perspectives on every individual episode and as such as mentioned we're on series five episode five demons and angels which originally went out in the march of 1992 and the synopsis is as follows an experiment with a triplicator a machine that can make duplicates of an object goes wrong and it causes a red dwarf to explode the crew escape aboard starbug but find that the triplicator has made two copies of red dwarf in place of the original one has inherited the good qualities and one has inherited the bad. Mm. Uh, yeah, interesting. We start, of course, on the on the ship, as we do, and uh, Lister's got a strawberry and they're messing about with this machine and they duplicate the strawberry. And uh, Did you ex- notice that they, Crichton here mentions that they've adapted the matter paddle, which is, of course... Um, the ep- from the episode uh, Meltdown, where he found the matter paddle that transports them to that world. Ah, nice little okay. callback. Uh, well, there. I know he said matter paddle, but yeah, I don't think it registered in my brain that that was a callback. Because how how far ago was that now in our in well, our journey? Uh, I, about six, roughly six weeks ago, I think, because it's the episode that, as six we are recording, ago. comes out tomorrow. <laughs> And we record roughly six weeks ahead, which is why I clocked it, because I've literally yesterday been editing it. (laughs) And I was like, I've just just heard about that. That's fair enough. There's so much techno babble in Red Dwarf that it must have uh, flown over my head at the time. But uh, no, they they do that occasionally, don't they? They have like the nice little call back to an episode and in fact there is there's a fair few of them in this one which there we might is address there's one we, moment where he on. just rattles them off one after the <laughs> yeah, other exactly it's like in case you've been watching the show for the past few years <laughs> nice little bit of continuity rewarding and, um, the long-term fans exactly and that's what that's what fans want it's what they always want and um when they replicate this strawberry they soon learn that um you obviously have the original strawberry one of them is the best tasting strawberry in the world. It tastes, you know, it's got all the best qualities. And one of them uh, has maggots in it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> to put it bluntly. All the best qualities. So it's one good and, and one bad. Yeah. Oh, you... I like, all good and all I like bad. Um, and Rimmer's... Sorry, you go. Ri- uh, yeah, Rimmer's line. Because uh, also... Crichton says, you know, this could, you know, this could revolutionize our supply issues and all that sort of thing. And he's talking about, you know, how they can, you know, repl- the speed at which they can replicate stuff. And he's like, or oh, you can get like five or six uh, a week or <laughs> strawberries a week or something with this. Absolutely. With this little baby running at full pelt, I confidently predict we could have a full fruit salad by the end of the year. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's some lo- uh, you're right, lovely good lines in there. Although I've got to admit, the one line I didn't like was when uh, I can't remember the full like lead into it, but I think oh yeah, it was when uh, when Rim was like, oh they'll name towns and cities after you. How about like Dorksville? And I was like, ah, oh, that's a for me that was just like a grow moment because I think that I don't know, it just felt like a very very. I don't know. I mean, did you what did you sort of clock well, it as well? Or? Yeah, it was a bit like it wasn't probably what I expected him to say. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a bit of a lame. Yeah, that's ending it. to it's... the to the build up of that. It was like, oh, is that oh, dog so Is that all you could come up with there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and especially after like we know Rimmer can do like really good quips or insults. That just seemed like a bit of ah, uh, you know, we're not. We're not firing off on all cylinders today, but hey, oh, no. it's a minor, th- it's a minor thing. It's a minor thing. Um, so they also, well, they discover and decide that they can reverse this process as well. So they try and do that and end up blowing everything up um, in very typical red, red dwarf fashion, I suppose. Um, yeah, and have to yeah. abandon ship because the ship is going to blow up. That's um, right. And, and Holly gets her uh, her translator. Was it her her uh, vocabulary circuits are fried yes to some gobbledygook my favorite of which is this is not a daffodil repeat this, this is, is not a daffodil yeah. abandoned shop this is not a daffodil really great <laughs> and again works farly doesn't it with that whole like deadpan expression as well like ob- getting it across completely seriously whilst also being really deadpan and they flee in Starbug, which of course crashes through the doors because, as we've as we've established, Phil, Starbug is pretty much indestructible at this point. Yeah, yeah. Or they've just got a lot of them. Or they've just got a lot of them. But when the, you know crashing through the doors, I was like, "Stop! It's Starbug. It'll be fine." Starbug never seems to and it was get destroyed. it was fine. Yeah, it was almost. I mean, <laughs> once they're out in space, they do quickly realize they don't have much oxygen. Or fuel, which seems a bit of an oversight. You know, you'd think these, you'd think these transports would have a bit more than what is it? How I can't even remember how much they had. It's like seven hours or something. Oh no, uh, well, I think they said it was five. It was five hours of fuel because they need. It was six hours to get to the asteroid, but right, then they only had it. seven minutes of oxygen. Yeah, like which is a bit like how do well... they go anywhere <laughs> with only seven minutes? Why do they only have seven minutes of oxygen? I, they, that was never explained why they only have seven minutes plot, of oxygen. Plot convenience. Yeah. So. It just seems such a bizarre thing. Like that they go for more than seven minutes in one of those Starbucks all the time. So why does it only... Did they just forget? Yeah. It probably is that they just forgot to refill the oxygen tanks because that's the kind of thing yeah. they would do. I love the little uh, in moment Rimmer has, you know, with Crichton where he's like, we don't technically need the oxygen. <laughs> you know, Rimmer <laughs> trying to be subtle yes. is great. Uh, really and funny. complete weasel mode as well because as soon as he realises oh, yeah. that actually his power supply only has four minutes, again, why... But uh, there we go. Uh, he's suddenly like, oh, no, no, let's work together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he does the, he mimics the boys from the dwarf thing, which is becoming more of a regular thing in the show now, I've noticed. But the actual, you know, the, whole... the actual saying, boys from the dwarf and shaking, is that the first time we've seen that? The... All in trouble, all in trouble. The posse. The boys from the dwarf. I think it. I th- no, I think it was in, uh, it was in quarantine, oh, wasn't was it? it? If I remember. Uh, I think, well, I think. 
Yeah, because yes. you know, when, I think it's when Rimmer puts them in there at first, and That's he's like, right. "Oh, yes. it's, it's like boys from the dwarf." So, but yeah, only in this series is it starting to become more of a. Because obviously, I learned the expression from you. You know, the whole boys from the dwarf. Well, it was thing, one but, of my suggestions um, for the name of the podcast originally, wasn't it? And it, I had to explain it why. Was. Yeah, but no, this is the first time I guess we're seeing it in the show, so I'm guessing it's going to become a regular-ish thing from now on with the handshaking and stuff. Um, And uh, I've just got to say, going back a bit, I was surprised when Red Dwarf blew up, you know. Uh, I should know by now in this show that anything can happen, but I think it's because I'd either heard from someone during this show or like I'd read somewhere that there is a period of the show where they they aren't necessarily at Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've yes. already made the note that a lot of this series, they've spent a lot of time in Starbug and elsewhere. And uh, it might have been you, actually. I can't remember. Someone just said, oh, there is going to be a point in the show where they will not be on Red Dwarf as like the base. So, so you know, when this happened, I thought, oh, like, is this it? Is this the moment? Um, and we'll, well, for anyone who hasn't watched it before, like me, we'll get on to if it is or not later on. But um, but. Well, they established that the triplicator has affected Red Dwarf, so now there are two new ships. Um, one that has all the good elements and one that has all the bad elements. And uh, they theorise that they have to go on both... Well, I think that first they figure out... They don't say they have to go on both ships at first, do they? I think they just say we just have to go on one of them. Uh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, I don't think they tell the audience that because I was surprised when Crichton then said later on, uh, oh, we need to go to the other one. Yeah, I don't know if they realized that or not. Maybe they only realized that once they got onto the good ship. The only part of what they needed was there. Was there? Yeah, yeah. It seemed like a weird. Yeah, because I thought that I was like, oh, they're only going on the good ship, and then they they mention it later. But when we go on the the high ship, as they call it, um, are those the same sets from Hollow Ship that we saw at the start of this series? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because that whole like you know the all very white and bright sets was very much like what we saw in Hollowship, which was the opener for this series. And I just thought, you know, it would be typical BBC recycling yeah. to say, well, we've still got the set. Because I'm imagining all this would have been filmed in like one production block. So I assume they would have still had the sets lying around somewhere. So hmm. yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they maybe reskinned them ever so slightly. Yeah. And then the the quarters they're put in uh, are basically their quarters, but brighter. Yeah. So studio lights turn up to full. Yeah, I did wonder have they repainted it a sort of a, a more because it's kind of a cream color in their one, but it's very white here. Or have they it done is. that with lighting? Um, yeah. But who knows? The whole ship is like it's all clean. It's nice air, and the how they really know they're on the on the good ship. There are edible pot noodles. Which is, you know. <laughs> Which is actually my potential funniest <laughs> moment. Um, oh, you'll find out later if it is. But I just think because my experience with pot, yeah, as I'm sure people can relate, they're very hit on miss pot noodles, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, the fact that this was still a joke back then, nearly 30 years ago, really made me laugh. And the delivery was perfect from the two the two lads as well. So, yeah, really. Yeah, nice. my experience with pot noodles is mostly in a school gym. I may have told the story before. I think pot noodles has come up and before it in the show. Might have done, yeah. But, uh, but we uh, we used to do when I was at school. Like every year, they would have all night sponsored like sports events where basically you'd just be in the school hall, um, in the sports hall, and you'd you'd you know just go you play maybe half an hour of basketball, and then you'd go and rest for a bit, and we'd do that all, all night until like the 
to the following morning. And uh, and mostly because we had a kettle there to make yeah. drinks, we people also brought pot noodles. So that's my like only experience of pot noodles. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't make a habit of going after them, to be honest. So <laughs> I try and stay away where I can. Um, and we, we suit, as you say, after they discover that this is the good ship with the good pot noodles, we meet the uh, alternative versions on the ship, the highs um, of the crew, which are the lads, but all in very sort of that, uh, like, you know, I guess like preachy attire, you know, oh, brother, all that sort of stuff. Very soft spoken. Yeah, they're like very monks, positive. aren't they, in a way? Yeah, kind of like monks, yeah. Spiritual and, yeah. Sort of garb. Spiritual garb, and I, I did, I did write. I was like, they do duplicates or alternative versions in this show a lot. Like that, you do not know yes. I mean over the five series, the amount of times we've seen doubles or alternative versions. And I mean, hey, it's a good use of your budget and use it and keeping your actors cast small. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I'm starting to notice. I'm like, wow, we do, we do have doubles and alternatives a lot in this program. So we do indeed, yeah, and and these ones. I will say this about the good ones. They're all very similar to each other. Whereas later yes. on, when we get to the... Well, I think they refer to them as the highs, these they guys. Do. And then yeah. the lows. The lows, I thought they did more to differentiate the different lows, if you see what I mean. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah, there was way more variety. But that's one thing I wanted to... I can't remember if they addressed it. I know they sort of... Well, with the cat high, he says, oh, you know, I'm the part of you that focuses on spirituality rather than clothes. And I thought, okay, so is it implied then that, you know, they're saying the good is extracted. So, and like you say, they're all quite similar. So is the good in all four of them meant to be that they're very spiritual? Is that what we're implying And and that's, I think, the only flaw. I guess they, you know, it serves the plot. But it, yeah, it would have been more interesting if they'd had different highs, I think. Because they've definitely got different lows. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does. When I guess when you think about it like that, it does. It is a bit weird how all of their highs are pretty much identical to each other. Um, but they do. Do you know what? One thing I did like about them, and again, potential funniest moment was uh, when they're presented with Rimmer and Cat's interpretive dance. Yes. Um, which really made me laugh. Um, just, you know, obviously I'm sure you have as well. When interpretive dance is, I guess, is given, uh, I don't know, serious commitment or done well, it's great. When it's done like Rimmer and Cat do it, it, it's hilarious because of how ropey it is. But I really liked it. I really liked that moment. Yeah. Well, look, you, you've you gone to drama school. I've done <laughs> A-level drama. At some point, I'm sure we've both done some interpretive dance uh, in our oh, time. Oh, absolutely. And I probably did it just as bad as I, they did. I know mine was just as bad. <laughs> A-level. <laughs> it's a very fine line interpretive dance, isn't it? It's a very it's a very difficult thing to juggle, I think, as a as a performer. Yeah, and, and I find like anybody that studies drama in any way goes through a stage when they you know think oh this look this is gonna look so cool because it's gonna and it's gonna be so trippy and yeah i'm really good at it it can be done very well but um yeah there is a a, you might have heard of them there is a theater company called frantic assembly have you ever oh yes yeah i love them they are good at that sort of stuff they're very good at that sort they of stuff. They are brilliant. Absolutely. And it loads of like that physical theatre stuff is yeah. brilliant. Go and check physical theatre out, listeners. It's it's stuff you won't forget. I'll tell yeah. you that. For good don't, or bad, you probably won't Don't judge it all it. on Rimmer and 
the cats. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, not them. Not them. It's a parody. It's a parody. Um, but that is when we learn, of course, as we said, that they have to go to the other ship, the low ship, to get the other part of the uh, triplicator, which, of course, is dark and dingy. And I'm pretty sure we're using when they first board, we're using the same uh, BBC warehouse that we've seen so many times to represent like the lower decks, you know, and things like that. Stacked with cardboard boxes. Stat with cardboard boxes, um, which is classic. Again, classic BBC recycling there. We love to see it. We love to see it. But again, they use the lighting. They do. To it's quite good, good effect to make it work. Yep, it is. And uh, the High Cat gets, uh, not High Cat, sorry, High Crichton first gets shot. And uh, t- I guess to show the highs, he believes that there's there's a malfunctioning weapon. He doesn't believe he's being shot repeatedly intentionally. And, and this made me think, because they're all like this, as you say, is this sort of a pastiche on those who, um, not unlike spiritualism or monks in general, but I guess sort of, you know, the people who are like, I'm all about, you know, preaching and being positive and sort of seeing the light in everybody. Is it sort of maybe pastiching that, you know, they, they see the light in everybody to such a degree that even if they get shot, they're like, oh, you couldn't have possibly wanted to, do you know what I mean? Oh, sorry, your gun is malfunctioning. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to have shot me. Yeah, yeah. It just, I don't know, it just yeah. felt like a, like a, a friendly jab at, at that sort of, uh, at that sort of stuff, yes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I must say, the low versions of the crew, I thought, are absolutely terrifying. They are. And, they, <laughs> and as I said, they all have different lows, different sort of things that it's focusing on. I, the cat is kind of, we first meet, meet him, his low version, like literally eating raw meat. So at... Probably because yes, he's a cat, yeah. it makes sense. Um, and like Lister is got is like this crazed bazooka carrying bazookoid carrying sort of sl- like madman. Uh, Crichton's like a bit of a zombie, isn't he? He's kind of got got this kind of twitchiness. Yeah. He's 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 got a different kind of skin color on him to make him look like uh, like he like dead skin, but obviously he doesn't actually have skin. It's it's all fake. It's all, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and yeah, and then we get <laughs> Rimmer. Rimmer. How would you even describe what Rimmer is wearing? Um, I, I wrote, it's like a, well, I put at first, first instinct, I put, it reminds me a bit of Rocky Horror. And then I put, it's almost like a twisted dominatrix sort of character when he got the hollow whip out. It's almost like Rimmer's twisted fantasy had come to life almost. Yeah, it's definitely a bit uh, sort of S&M dominatrix uh, stuff yeah. influence there, isn't it? Sec- second time in a row we've seen him in drag now, of course. Yes. <laughs> seems to be a seems to be a trend. I wonder if we'll see it in the series finale. We'll see. But yeah, but again, Chris Barry plays it so funny. It's sort of, again, that pastiche of the like edgy, you know, uh, I'm going to hurt you because I'm not a very nice person. Like he does, he does that sort of a... Uh, because we saw it a little bit in quarantine as well, but he does that sort of that he does that sort of thing so well. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, it was good. He do, and they all get a chance here. I think to really. I mean, we've seen especially Chris Barry do it often. He he's he's a great, uh, great at playing different characters and putting and making them feel really different to each other. But here we got to see the rest of them also do that because they are completely yeah. different from each other. Maybe. Maybe less so. Ca- I mean, it is completely. He is completely different. He's obviously a lot crazed, but he's. You could still see kind of like. It kind of still feels like a version of the same character, whereas the others kind of felt a lot different. Yeah. No. No. I get you. Yeah. There's so like 
all that variety and playing different characters. I mean, the I, I wrote in the in the next scene because Lister regular Lister gets captured by the four of them, um, and is ends up being tied up. And now, I must, uh, sorry, you go. I was go. I was going to say Rimmer has that line. I'm going to lash you to within an inch of your life, and then I'm going to have you. <laughs> have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found that funny. I mean, within the scene, it is funny, but I do, I, there is, given the way he's dressed and everything, is there a, uh, getting, getting all serious about it now, but uh, yeah. is there like a, an issue with like it portraying kink in, yes. in that kind of way, in, in yes. a particularly negative way? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. Because then there's the whole thing. I mean, if you obviously it's not stated, but I guess you look into it. It's like then I'm going to have you, but he's capturing him. So is it? You know, it's it's the whole uh, consent issue, of course. I know that's reading into it, but you know, like you say, it does yeah. ask these questions. It's like well, that is the implication, and yeah. So therefore, because obviously, the the problem is that the stereotype of some the stereotype is that if you that it reinforces that if you dress like that, that's the kind of. Yeah. That you, that you sort of force yourself onto people without, without necessarily them consenting and all that stuff. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things I think we've cropped up before in the show over the past five series where we sort of go, ah, right. Because of course I'm, you know, as I'm sure a lot of listeners are aware over the last 30 years, you know, uh, societal perceptions and norms have changed hugely um and yeah i don't think i'd i don't know maybe they'd maybe they'd still have him dress like that but maybe yeah. they wouldn't you know they they play it differently almost so it, it didn't have that sort of a negative uh implication perhaps but yeah no i get what you mean though i get what you it mean didn't, it didn't uh, it wasn't anything potential... that particularly ruined it yeah. for me or anything it's it just something that like no 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 and i was like oh yeah yeah it's just one of those moments where you go like ah oh, right yeah Okay, then, and just, yeah, no, I get you. Um, and the next scene where Rimmer is uh, captured and being taunted by the four, th- it felt very, I don't know if you've seen it, but it felt very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I have not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, it was, uh, well, in, in a theory, this Red Dwarf was a bit before its time because there was one of the movies from, I think it was 1994, um, so a few years after this episode first aired, but it was called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation implying that um, and the whole basis was it wasn't just one killer it was a family of killers basically of of uh, cannibals um and there, i think there mm. is a scene in that where you've got like you know the family round a table with someone on it taunting them and making them do horrific things obviously nothing as severe as you'd see in a full rate 18 rated horror movie um but you know there there are some things that are a bit i was like this is quite twisted for red dwarf you know because um they start to remote control Lister. They have a put a thing at the top of his spine, which makes him subservient to them. Uh, and the main thing I thought that was a bit so it was a him eating a tarantula. Yes, because we've uh, previously established in a previous episode that he really does he d- not like tarantulas. He does not like tarantulas, and obviously before so another anyone, callback, another callback. But I mean, before anyone starts, yes, I know he didn't eat a real spider. Like I. Come on, we know that. Um, but yeah, just um, the image, though, of seeing a character eat a seemingly real spider is quite... I imagine for some people that might be quite a, a bit of a hard watch because I know a lot of people don't like spiders. So, I guess um, so. I mean, it probably yeah, wouldn't phase anybody like, wow. who watches. It's like uh, I'm, I'm a celebrity, celebrity gone wrong. Out of here. 
Yeah. Oh, for Snap. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It was just it just felt like that. But yeah, that whole vibe was like a a PG version of Texas Chainsaw for me, or like the the feel of it, I suppose. Yeah. What did you think of it all? That whole scene of him being like controlled and doing all those things. Um. Yeah. No. I've, it was alright. I didn't find it particularly overly like hilarious doing all the things, mm. but I didn't mind it. It was. It was. It. 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 it from a narrative point of view, it served its purpose in establishing that they had control of him. Uh, the, clearly, yeah. the things they were getting him to do were meant to generate a laugh. They, I didn't massively find them funny, like him smashing his own nose in the door oh, or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Or the hot water. And yeah, or the yeah. hot water on his crotch. You know, I, they were fine. I didn't particularly yeah. like laugh out loud at them or anything. Yeah, so yeah, I think they they might appeal more to the younger audiences for that. But yeah, it was a, as you say, it served the served the narrative purpose for sure. And we learn from the lows that they want to basically seize control. Uh, well, they say your your vessel or vehicle. So I'm not sure whether they mean the high ship or if they just meant Starbug in general. I don't think they specifically say. Hmm. I don't know. They wouldn't necessarily know. I think they just say we want your vessel or vehicle. Yeah, so could be either. Yeah. I think they. Pro- I I assume they meant yeah. the uh, other red dwarf that still exists at this point. I suppose so, but it, it's the low ship, so you know they want off there. They don't want to. They don't want to stay there. Um, and they set Rimmer, uh, not Rimmer. Sorry, they set Lister off to uh, find and uh, kill the others, and we get a a a, ni- a nice little psycho reference for anyone who's seen the film Psycho. Um, when he approaches brother, as I call him, brother Lister and brother Rimmer, and um, he stabs brother Lister, but it's all done in the very, you know, psycho vein, you know, the big, the big knife repeated stabbing sort of thing. So in my head, I was like, oh, another little horror, you know, pastiche or reference there. So um, yeah, I didn't clock that. Yeah, it's not like you know they don't do the music or anything, the famous psycho music. But for me, it was just the way like he held it and the way he moved it. It just reminded me a lot of that. A lot of that film, just a lot of yeah, horror parallels, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah do you, I do? Do you see that now? You mentioned it. Yeah, and he kills kills the other two monks. And again, they're very much like they're very much like. Oh, you! I, I, I'm so sorry. I appear to have gotten blood on your knife. Yes, yeah. Of course, that pastiche. Like, of course, it couldn't. It couldn't be his fault. You know, he's not doing it intentionally. Of course not. Um, yeah, so they he takes out uh, Brother Lister and fades away Brother Rimmer by crush, uh, crushing his holographic uh, his holographic center. And um, but the others, the others have made it back. Um, they've made it back. They need to leave pronto. They've got all the elements of the of the triplicator. But of course, here comes Lister, who uh, bonks Crichton on the head with an axe, which sends him a bit wild. And then proceeds to strangle Cat. And I love that this whole scene trying to solve like what's going on with Lister. You know, that the fact he's strangling Cat and they're just, you know, stupidly debating about what it could be and what to do. I, I don't know, I just found it really good. The actors bounced off each other really well. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good scene. My uh was it this scene or was it the next scene that they take me by surprise bit happened? Uh no, I think it's this scene. It's this scene. It's the end of this scene, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Once they get him off cap. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was that was that's a contender for my favorite moment. I think the because uh, he's <laughs> just the way that Lister has got the bazookaid. He's like, okay, Crichton, take me by surprise. Yes. I'm coming around behind you to take you by surprise, sir. Get on with it. Surprise me. You may get an unpleasant sensation of chloroform. Don't be alarmed. Surprise me now. Here comes my surprise, sir. <laughs> 
Yeah, just relaying everything that's going on, like not making it a surprise at all. Um, but they do sort it out, and they all get back on Starbug, and just as you'd hope, the two uh, halves of Red Dwarf disappear, and the original Red Dwarf is back, to which they return to it. So if if there is this period of the show where they disappear from Red Dwarf, it's it's not yet. It's not yet, folks. Um, but there is a final scene, and um, it seems that they, uh, the chip is still within Lister. So Overy comes again, and we the last little moment we get, um, they get it off him, but then it falls uh, onto Cat somehow. Oh no, is it? No, sorry, no, it's no, onto, it got, is it onto no, it goes Lister onto first? Cat again. So they get it off of Lister. Yep. But then it goes onto Cat. Yep. Cat's neck, uh-huh. and then they get it off Cat, and it flies into the back. Yeah, and then they figured out. Uh, it, but then they shoot um, Low Lister, who's hiding in the cupboard. So was it not controlling anyone? No, then, yes, because then, then, uh, then they. I think that's when the two ships merge. So they've got it off of him, uh, and yes. got it off Cat, throwing it in the back. The ships merge, and then right near the end, Lister goes and sits down on the seat in the back, and it and he sits on it. Oh so it's, yes, it's that's, right, that's right. That's right. That's mm. right. And yeah, he starts right. doing stuff, and they're like, who's controlling him? And that's when Cat Bazookoids, yeah. I think it is, the... Yeah, Low Lister is hiding in the in the cupboard. But um, they decide not to get it off him just yet. Cat decides he uh, wants to keep it on him and gets him to start slapping itself. And I did notice to end the episode, he actually shares some sort of positive interaction with Rimmer. He shares him a nice, you know, smile and says, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, yeah. You know, because obviously they both in... Because, I mean, we, we've talked recently, haven't we, that Cat r- seems to spend a lot of his lines or time just slagging off Rimmer, often with, you know, sometimes with good reason, but sometimes almost just for the sake of it, you know. So it was nice that they actually had a positive moment together. Like, just, I know they've all had, like, group moments, but it was nice to have, like, just a moment with the two of them. Yeah. Just like, do you know what I mean? I just thought it was really nice. Few and far between. But yeah. yeah. Few and far between. So... That in a nu- and then the episode ends. So that, in a nutshell, is Demons and Angels. So, yeah, what an episode, the penultimate. So, as we do, our regular segments, we start with our favourite character. So, um, who was it for you this time? Phil? I was torn between two, because Crichton, I think, has a few good moments in this. Um, and, in fact, my funniest moment is going to be from Crichton. But, yeah. overall, I think I'm going to give it to Low Rimmer. I'm going to give it okay. to, just because the the costume, the, the the sort of complete change of character and the kind of the warped, just like, I, I just love the way that Chris Barry played it. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Low Rimmer. Oh, it's funny you say that because I'm I'm going to give mine to High Rimmer. Oh. Or, or Brother Rimmer, as I wrote in my notes. Um, Is it for the interpretive dance? It, it's largely for the interpretive dance, but also just, uh, again, Chris Barry does that sort of, uh, like, preachy. He, he was just the funniest out of the four for me, out of, in, in the high camp, I suppose. Um, but yeah, largely the interpretive dance, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, which I'll use to segue nicely into my funniest moment, which was the interpretive dance. It was a close call between that and the pot noodle joke for me, because that really oh, did okay. get me. Um, but no, I'm going to I'm gonna give it to the interpretive dance but what about you phil funniest moment like i said one contender was the uh take me by surprise bit but i think i'm gonna give it to the Crichton and cat brother Crichton and brother cat um getting killed and them 
constantly just assume that the guy's gun has malfunctioned and is accidentally shooting them. The poor wretch has a faulty gun. He's accidentally shot me five times. Oh, how I love him. Brother, there is a grievous fault with thine weapon. It keepeth shooting people. You see, there it goes again. Yeah. <laughs> no good guy, especially when Cat, like when he gets shot again or, or shot for the first time and he goes, there it is again. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's a good gag anyway, but it's, it's made by their performances, I think. They're just they're Absolutely. just spot on with how they the line delivery and everything with that. Couldn't agree with you more. And last but not least, how many scutters out of ten would you give uh, demons and angels? I'm going to give this an eight point five out of ten. Ooh, okay, a fairly okay. high one. I, it's yeah, oh, it's, I enjoyed it. It's, it was a good episode and like gave a chance for the the cast to really stretch their sort of acting things i wish we'd see more of a different different versions of holly because we, yes, we did see yeah. i'd say we saw most of low holly we saw a little bit of her we, yes but even yeah. that wasn't that much and i would have liked to have seen a bit no. more of that um so that that was a little bit of a shame but over yeah it was a it was a good episode with a good plot that kind of worked and they set it up well to the beginning and it all mm-hmm. was paced really well what about you? Uh, I'm going half a point below you. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Um, yeah, I did. I did like it. I liked it a lot. I think I just thought maybe the first, the first chunk of the episode um, was a bit slow for me, or it just a lot of the, uh, I guess like the comedy wasn't really landing with me to start with. Um, but as soon as we get the two separate red dwarfs and they go like I was I was all for it from that point on. So it did pick it up quite massively. But um, yeah, great moments, like we said, um, of of the different variants, particularly the low variants on, on their ship. Um, yeah, just a solid eight out of ten, a solid red dwarf adventure. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And that's my score. And that is Demons and Angels. So, folks, you can join us next week where. Amazingly, we are already at the finale of Series 5, which is back to reality. So I hope you join us for that. Um, In the meantime, uh, Phil, where can these lovely listeners find you in your various works? Well, you can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Philip Hawkins, Philip with one L. You may be watching this podcast on there now, in fact. But if you're not, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the many platforms this podcast is available on in audio form, then do go check out the YouTube channel as well, because as well as this podcast, there's things as content on Doctor Who, the MCU, Star Trek. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've covered. I've covered Masters of the Universe, the new series recently Mm, as well. So, uh, you know, anything and everything really that I fancy that's geeky and pop culture. So come and find me over there. What What about yourself? Well, for me, um, it's just Adam Martin on YouTube, Martin with the Y, and I should hopefully pop up. Like Phil, I also make videos on Doctor Who as well as other pop culture things I'm interested in. Like now that's what I call music or classic TV history and I don't. It's a wealth of stuff. I'm sure there's something you'll like. And um, follow me on Twitter if you want to for my daily ramblings. Adam Martin AMTV is the at. And we also have a Twitter for this podcast, All Dead Dave Pod. Uh, character limits that's the reason before you ask and uh, you can follow us there for updates on the show announcements of special guests that we have coming on and the occasional gif or meme or something like that but go and follow us over there for uh, all the latest news follow on the us pod. and just like send us random red dwarf quotes yeah 
We love random Red Dwarf quotes. Um, it, granted, at the time of recording, if you send anything like, I don't know, post series five or six, I'm probably not going to no understand spoilers. it. But, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers, please. No spoilers. We've done well so far. We've done really well. So let's uh, let's keep it that way. But yeah, all that's left to be said, I guess, is thank you very much to everyone who is listening. We hope you join us again. And me and Phil will catch you next time. Yeah, see you later. See you later.